Josh Holder. Saul Agnan. Marcus Boykin. El Navajas and the Mexican Sicarios. Steve Horn. Commander Cox. Admiral Pillar. Captain Howard. Lorraine Hartley. Ben Edwards. Yeah, so episode eight, known as Reclamation, we have to tie a whole lot of things together because episode seven ended up with Katie in the library attempting to publish her story. And there are some issues I have with this legally, but I'll set those aside. The SecDef comes in and seems in some way to have interfered with her internet connection and intercepted her email to send in the story and get it to print at Voltstream Media. And Lorraine Hartley tells her, I couldn't let your story go to print because it's not true. She drew the wrong conclusions and instead wants to give her an interview so Katie can get the full story from her perspective. What do you think about Lorraine's angling here to bring Katie with her to her island getaway on Orca's Island so that she could try to delay the publication of her story? Yeah, so I, I definitely would not be too eager to go with a secretary uh, to a to a, a desolate island area in the middle of a lake. After but she I, took my story. Yeah, well, the fact that, you know, as someone who does submit stuff from time to time, if it doesn't get to the intended, you know, recipients, I'm a little concerned if someone's blocking my, as a, I'm not a reporter, but if I was, I'd be a little upset if someone decided to block my story. Um, when I knew that I had the facts, I had docu- right. you know, she shows she's got this file. She shows she can prove what has occurred has, has really happened. And then for the secretary to really have the gall to say, well, sure you have the facts, but you haven't drawn the right conclusions. You know, you're, you've drawn some wrong conclusions, I, you know, and, and, and I'm going to set the record straight. Yeah. Um, I like the way they did it. I like the way they did it in the library and everything, but um, definitely, uh, definitely, your radar has to be, you know, pinging pretty hardcore of going. Yeah, don't go, don't go. <laughs> yeah. Alternate facts, maybe, but absolutely fake news. You know, do you buy it? <laughs> do you buy Hartley trying to de- defend her position and argue? Admiral Pillar didn't tell me about the tumors. I didn't know about them. If the drug worked, this could save thousands of our operators lives and she's not exactly washing her hands of everything but she is saying i wasn't as deep into this as you you are leading your readers to believe so i won't give away the ending till we get there but i will say at this point i don't buy it because of the final action that takes place (laughs) that i think that i think reveals the intent but she does gene triplehorn by the way played this role so good. I haven't seen her in years in anything, but uh, definitely a great actress. And I, I think she played that role. You know, she was very well cast. I know there was questions yeah. on some of the casting and there, there always is. You can't make people happy. And I, I will say I, it's going to be interesting if they do bring, you know, if, if, if other books get adapted, if true believer gets adapted and um, devil's hand and everything, as as the series goes on, it, it'll be interesting to see 
um, you know, spoiler alert, um, but for Katie and for Reese, how that plays out, how their relationship plays out, just from how it started here in the first series. Definitely a lot of tension, definitely a lot of distrust. Um, so that'll be, that'll be quite interesting how they can make all that, uh, uh, blend in well. But yeah, I think, I think the casting for Triple Horn though was great. I, I like, I, I liked her role. And earlier in the series too, she's so sympathetic. I mean, she's there for Reese if you need anything. And again, it's building, you know, you're, you're telling a story and you're building up a character and is this character authentic or not? And I think they do a great job of that. I agree. A hundred percent agree. Just on the Katie thing, I, I too have seen a lot of people complain, especially because Reese had a gun in her face twice, really has been quite aggressive to her. Yeah. And then at the very end, when Reese does have his sights trained on Hartley and Katie is basically trying to ask him to spare her life, Admiral Pillar was the one. There's somebody else out there. Hartley didn't get the $20 million. There's... This thing goes a little deeper. It's it's not her. It's someone else. Reese is brushing her off. So yeah, to have them come together would be tough. But in the book, this scene on the island, Katie is also in danger and Reese gambles with her life there as well. So yeah. I actually think the fact that viewers are unhappy about their relationship, maybe being one that's very antagonistic and how could it ever be possible that they can they can mend those wounds? I think is very analogous to the book, just in a different way, because in case anybody doesn't know, you've seen the show. I'll just give you a quick summary of how this scene plays out is that Hartley is on the island with Steve Horn, who is still alive, who really is the one pulling all the strings here. Mm -hmm. And in fact, their bargaining chip, knowing that Reese is coming after them, is Katie. Is Katie, and yeah. It's Ben who's got explosives around Katie's neck. And he says, if you shoot me, she blows up. And Reese decides to take the shot. He takes him out, which means he gambled with Katie's life. If Ben was being honest that he had explosives on her that would go off, she's dead too. And he right. still took the shot. So I think the fact that their relationship is so fraught with distrust, I think actually does mirror the book. It just played out quite differently. Well, in the series, he gambles with her life when he decides to basically blow up the vehicle and she's exactly. away from it and it blows her off her feet. And that, again, was one of those scenes that Reese could very easily go from being the hero, the good guy who's on a uh, on a murderous path, you could say, but on a path for justice to take these people out. You can easily cross that line, though, if you allow yourself to kill innocent people to get to guilty people. And he hesitated. That that essentially spared Katie's life. And it's the reason he didn't kill Horn right away, because he didn't blow the bomb. He saw her and wanted to give her a chance to get away. Right. Exactly. And I, and I think if he hadn't hesitated, if he had done it, and that result you know, had been more loss of life, innocent loss of life, then you kind of lose him almost as an antagonist. Or as, as a protagonist, and, and he becomes an antagonist because he's kind of being a bad guy. You know, yeah. he, he's, 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 he's taking innocent life. And, you know, there's, there's got to be that line in the sand you won't, you won't cross. Right. Just as a storyteller, I always try to figure out, okay, who, who are these characters and what can they do and what can they not do? 
it's more fun to write the bad guys sometimes because you can make them have no line essentially and they're fulfilling the role you created for them so you can have a little bit more fun with that but but when you're crafting you know the the quote unquote good guy he has to you know he or she has to have a line that they can't cross or then they become just the same as the as the villains right right so some deep stuff going on here, some deep things about their relationships. Who can you trust? Who can you not trust? And Absolutely. it's all playing out amidst a really awesome action set piece. What did you think about restorming the beach? Ben set up in the lighthouse, sniping guys, Reese going tree to tree, trying to enter this house, even though it's swarming with the Talos security contractors. That was a pretty cool battle scene, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they did a great job. And then, of course, then Ben becomes a target because the, the FBI, you know, it's not hard to, at, late at night to see a muzzle flash <laughs> back behind in the distance going from an elevated position. It's like, I think we have to go there. We have to That's we right. have to engage someone. Tony's team is coming in at the same time. So you got the Talos contractors, you got the FBI, and you've got Ben and Reese. So this is really a, a huge battle. Yeah, again, a great great battle scene. And, you know, you have to view it as what's Reese's specialty, what's he's able to do. Because part of you can look at it and go, okay, that's a lot of people you're going to have to kill to get in that door, which is true. But the vast majority of those people probably, you know, doing guard duty don't have his experience. Or if they have served, if they have held a position like that, chances are it's been a while. Chances are they have not pulled a trigger on someone. They've not taken a shot in a long time. Versus for Reese, that's it. It's been a common occurrence, you know, especially in the series. Um, where he, he's 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 got it down. He's able to take those shots and he's able to move move under duress. I mean, he's an extreme. I mean, the, when he's hiding behind those trees, those guys are taking shots at him. So he's having to duck and cover and, and protect himself. But gets in the house and um, I'm trying to remember when he gets in the house. Yeah, he does. He when he gets on the second floor there. He does engage several people before he gets to Hartley's uh, um, off or safe room, basically, um, or panic room, because then he uses, has that one guy. Actually, that was one of those scenes where he has the one guy, you know, use the code to get her in and then pops the guy. <laughs> so That's right. it's like you served your purpose. Um, I can. Uh, you're a bad guy. <laughs> I think we discussed the times where James Reese is shown in a good light with his decisions to keep Tony alive and whatnot. But he is also crossing that line when he needs to have mission accomplished. He's right. going to let people go when they won't jeopardize him finishing the list. But if you in any way played a role in this, even if it was just a hired gun, I'm going to finish the list instead of you. So it is getting into that gray zone. You know, it's not a black or white. Very often Mitch Rapp and other characters in the genre are almost, they're massive killers but they're almost too good. They almost never want to hurt the innocent people sometimes or, or right. just any other character in the genre where this one is definitely going darker. It's definitely putting the audience in a, you have to make a decision, right? You could watch this right. entire series and you could be floored with all the killing. And why is he doing all this killing? That's beyond just the list. Or sure. you can notice the moments he spares Tony or he saves Mac after Mac. She blows yeah. up. And instead of getting away in the river, he decides to give her the CPR. I mean, you could look at those little moments and you could buy that Reese or you could buy the Reese here who's just indiscriminately killing all these guards. The show doesn't tell you he's 100% good or he's 100% bad. Right. 
Well, I talk back about that scene just real quick. The fact that he brings her back, he does CPR. She's not grateful. He no. she, she, he brought her back. She's pissed that she, he took her out to start with. He, right. he set off the he set off the explosions that buried her. So it's almost like, yeah, buddy, you saved me, but you really killed me to start with. So you kind of owed me that. I'm not I'm not going to say, well, thanks for saving me. It's the gray zone. Another good scene. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he he does operate in that gray area. Yep. And I think for the most part, you have to overlook it. You look at the scenes that are taking place as he's storming um, Hartley's, as he's storming the, the house. Um, you know, those guys are shooting at him. True. Right. As soon it's as me someone raised a gun and puts yeah. a bullet your, your way, yeah, they could kill you. So they're an active target. You have every right to defend yourself and take them out. So. He knows their orders are to to shoot to kill on sight. So he, yeah, you're right, absolutely. 100%. So they're not; in, th- those ones are innocents. Uh, are not. Although I did, correct. I did smirk a little bit when he then went again when the guy put it in the code and he then popped. I'm like, well, you know, but I, yeah, yeah I guess it was a bad guy. <laughs> what are you gonna do, hog time or something? Like it's too much. Yeah, you don't have time for that. Uh, you know, you know, seven grams or eight grams, whatever those things weigh, are much uh, much better to use to. Uh, to expedite that, uh, that person to the afterlife. <laughs> All right. So that scene takes place. Eventually Hartley offs herself instead of taking a bullet from Reese. He is shot in all this. He's getting his headaches. He's also trying to patch up a wound. He's got a gun on Hartley. Pretty dramatic scene. As soon as she takes herself out, his mission's over. The list is done, except yep. Katie's there to say there's someone else. Because the right. 20 million is unaccounted for. I kind of buy Hartley saying she was not the final one where this where the buck stops. And Oberon Analytics is not accounted for. So there is more story to right. be told. And before Reese can get off the island, hobbling away, I think, where was he shot? Was it the leg? I don't remember exactly. Somewhere in the leg. He was hobbling. So it was somewhere in the leg, I recall. Yes. I know he was shot up in the... Um... What in our shoulder back in Early the Sierra, back with the HRT team. Yes. Yeah. But Tony, he spared Tony in the garage, and Tony has a chance here to take him in, or, or and he says, don't make me shoot you, Reese. But yeah. Tony is never really, or he's come around. I feel like Tony's had an arc here to being yeah. a single-minded law enforcement, just, if I got to take you, I got to take you. That's the end of the story. And Tony's kind of now seeing big picture based on what Katie said, Intel he's getting, the vibes he got from Admiral Pillar. I think Tony has come full circle, and that's why he lets Reese live. And Reese walks off with his scuba gear, doesn't even have his fins or his breather on, and he just walks into the sea. I love that. Yeah. Well, and to just go back again about Hartley, is the fact that she took her own life to me. She was guilty. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do know probably there are some innocent people that kill themselves in situations out of stress or anxiety or mental illness, whatever the situation might be. But someone with her level of expertise, her drive, her um, intelligence, I don't believe she's going to shoot herself if at the end of the day, I'm really not guilty of what you're accusing me of. Yeah. Um, I would think she would try to rationalize with him, even if she knew it was... She would rationalize with him t- until he pulled the trigger himself, not her take the. So I, I think for that reason alone, there's an element of guilt there for her to actually t- do that act. I definitely see that reading. Also, well, either way, she is guilty about 
using the drug on the seals that gave them the tour. Correct. Like that was the wrong Absolutely. decision. I think she's seen Reese kill and she knows how all the other kills went down. And I, I, she realizes there's no chance of getting out of this. And maybe it was the, the least painful way out, knowing what Reese could otherwise do to you. Yeah. That, a couple that's of different true. ways you can read it. She read the book and she knows about tomahawks and she goes, Hey, I'm not, I'm not down with that one. So. This guy messes with the Winkler Sayak. No, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> My husband has a Winkler. I wouldn't want him chasing me around with that thing. So, you know, she says, <laughs> I prefer not to see my intestines as I pass out and die. I don't want to know what they look like. I'll, uh, no, thank you. Um, you but know, no, you're right with Tony down at the lake where he does. Cause I mean, he just could have shot Reese right then and there. And you could, his job. I'm sure from a law enforcement standpoint, he would have been justified. I mean, all the bodies around, you know, he's not going to have that much trouble saying I finally had him on site yeah. and he was armed and I took the shot. Even if he shot him in the back, he'd still get a, you know, he might have a, you know, tough interrogation on what happened, but you know, he'd, he'd be justified um, right. with what occurred. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And just one other thing while we're on the scene is, Boozer. Reese saw Boozer diving in with him when he approached the island. I thought, and Donnie, was that Donnie also sitting on the edge of the boat? I feel like two guys dove with him. There was two of them with him, yes, that he saw. And that, yes, and I I believe the second one was Donnie, yes. That was kind of cool. Just I think it showed these flashbacks and trauma he's dealing with. He's a little more at ease with. And he realizes these are the people I'm going to see. Basically, this is I'm not coming out of this mission. I know I got the yeah. tumor. Even if I do complete the mission, whatever happens, I'm going back to see these guys. And he's kind of at peace with them and wants one last operation. And they take the dive with him. That was I thought it was right. a nice touch. Yeah, that was classy, classy way to do it. I agree. All right. Final scene. It is three weeks later. Katie is texting Reese. And she said, and he asked, have you found the 20 million? Who's Oberon? And Katie says it was routed through a bank in Peru. Mm -hmm. I know I perked up and went, oh my goodness. I knew there was a turn. Spoiler, any readers, we knew Ben Edwards was behind this. We knew there was the heel turn, but I wasn't sure if they were going to show it. I wasn't sure if that would be the cliffhanger. If they were going to match the ending of the book that Ben Edwards was, was one of the conspirators and when we saw that text about peru i knew it i like i thought that was a great way to reveal it yeah yeah basically from earlier in the show when they talked when ben was trying to get him to go to peru with them uh just walk away walk away we can you know we can have a good life away from all this yeah at that point you knew okay we know who the final name is on on the list basically yep exactly and so this confrontation on the sailboat in Peru, Reese knows and Katie had evidence that he was the last person who made $20 million off the sale of New Bellum and RD4895. And he confronts Ben. A couple of lines here. Ben tries to justify what he did. And I think we as the viewers, we needed this because it could be it could feel totally cheap unless you buy into Ben's motivations. And both in the book right. and the show, I bought it. And here's why I want to make a few points about what Ben says. He says, I knew you were all dead. I knew about the tumors. And so I thought, let them die with their boots on rather than some hospital bed somewhere. Right. I almost felt that 
Ben knew that would be a more fitting ending for the guys than just having this tumor suffering through it. But it's their choice to make, you know, and, and Ben right. made the choice for them to blow them up. And so Reese says, well, did you do it for us or did you do it for the $20 million? And Ben right. says, maybe both, but yep. that he couldn't spend, he couldn't spend a dime of that money. So he had the 20 mil, didn't know what to do with it. Couldn't bring himself to spend it. So he might've done it for the money that might in the book. He says, I wasn't going to do it for the money, but when it became millions of dollars in the double digits, the game kind of changed because that's yeah. a lot different than getting 500 K. Right. Exactly. And that, yeah, that blood money. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if that steak would taste as good if you know how you got it. So especially right. with the brotherhood. And, and he hoped though, it was just letting the guys die on mission on the field, something right. a bit more fitting that they would have wanted than knowing the government fucked them with the tumor and having to deal with the trauma and stress of that in their last few days. So yeah, dying in a hospital bed or dying, you know, yeah, absolutely. In a hospital Again, state. wrong thing, but trying to argue for the right reasons. You know, I don't think so, but that's trying to reconcile that. Yeah, trying to justify his actions. Yeah. So, All right, now absolutely. the last thing, Ben, absolutely clearly wants Reese to know, and he says he wants it set in stone. He had nothing to do with Lauren and Lucy. Never thought it would go there. Originally, when he got involved, there was no reason they would ever be brought into it. And I think Reese buys that. Reese does say, I know, I know, Ben, that you had nothing mm -hmm. to do with that and 100% buy that. And he even says, let's finish the list, which leads me to believe Hartley said this thing runs deeper than you think. Now, Ben right. is saying, let's finish the list. Reese is going to finish the list when he shoots Ben. Is Ben hinting at something that there is one last person or something higher up the chain when he says you and I can yeah. go finish the list together? Or is it just a cop out to try to get Reese to spare him? Yeah, good question. And I, th I think it's the um, I don't think it's a cop out. I, I think it's more of, hey, there's a little bit more information that you don't have. And maybe that Ben doesn't even have that there's someone else that needs to be taken care of. So, yeah. That's a, definitely a way to read it, for sure. Absolutely. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah, which is all good series. We want the viewers to come back for, uh, you know, second season. And more, and more. And more, yeah. Well, and Jax, he's got the blueprint there for them to follow if um, if Amazon so chooses. So Right. When we had him on the show and we were interviewing him, we asked him, of course, anything you've heard or know about a renewal or season two? He says, well, I just got some text and he was texting somebody on the phone. So I think something's brewing, but he didn't give us any sort of final announcement or hints. But I think the renewal is uh, it's coming. I think he I think I heard him say something on one of the media in the last few months that he's been working on uh, some sort of a synopsis or something, you know, to present of how the they could handle play. Yeah, how they how, how they could, you know, transition to, you know, true believer, basically. Yep. All so. right. Well, that's how the series wraps up is just like it did in the book. Reese crosses off the final name on the list, holds it to his heart, lets it go out to sea the same way he's going to take the sailboat out to sea. And I think it's a fitting ending. He's going to go back home. And even before that, let's let's talk about real quick before that, because I did as they were sitting there, you know, as you got two. The, you know, two operators, yes, but you got two people that are as close as brothers in this small area. He knows they both know what's going to happen. Ben's not fighting what's going to happen. He's ready to go. I think as he even makes that makes, says that line, I'm ready. 
I, you know, I, he's ready for the justice that's coming for him. And as that was playing out, you know, for a second there, I thought, okay, are they going to show him shoot him? And I actually really like that they didn't. They actually show it from the water, the boats out there. And there's a, there's a pause for not, you know, it's not just a second. It, it's a couple seconds of just peacefulness. And then you just hear a single shot, um, which answers your question of how did it, what happened? And, and, and then of course, then cutting, cutting to, you know, him on, on the boat, you know, exactly what happened. And, and like you were saying with the, the list getting list wasn't needed anymore. So, right. The list was complete. The list was complete. Yes. Or was it, <laughs> or was it, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. The, the one other hint we get about true believer. And unless you're a reader of the book, you really wouldn't have picked up on it twice throughout the series. And one of them was just in episode seven. Rafe Hastings is brought up. Correct. And there's a little back and forth with Ben when they're in the van of, I don't know why you, you trust that motherfucker. Or how do you trust him? And Reese says, well, right. I trust you, don't I? Ooh, yes. that was some foreshadowing. It, it absolutely was. So. Ben gives him this look too. Oh, yeah. He's such a big character going forward there with the second book and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. No, I, 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 they, they've set themselves up well. And, and, and those are the things, you know, those are the Easter eggs you put in there for, for the fans. Yep. For people that yep. know, you know, that because I'm sure plenty of people, as much as the audience is going to draw, is going to be a lot of people that have not read the books that are going to watch right. this because it's Chris Pratt. And, you know, the, they're, they're, they're very smart about their casting. And, and uh, of course, Jack got who he wanted, too. Exactly. Wanted Pratt from the get go. Um, and it's exactly how it ended up working out. But this is going to draw a lot of people now to the books. And so but the, the fans that had already read the books and. Let's be honest, most of the people that are watching the Terminal List that have also read the Terminal List have probably read every other book right. out there. You know, maybe they haven't got the blood yet, but um, but they've re- they've read the other books. So they kind of know what's happening. And they're looking for those things that hint to what might occur um, right. in future series. There's two other hints. The $20 million... Reese has something to do with all the money that's kind of loose here that ends up happening later on and also in a flashback scene this was episode seven lauren is wearing reese's university of montana t-shirt which plays an important role in the backstory of rafe rafe and him developing their friendship so there were a couple of little nods very subtle things going on there yeah I'm, i'm sure that's got jack's fingerprints on it of wanting to uh you know, wanting to allude to, you know, to point back to the book. Um, although he, you know, it said in his media, he was knowing that they were going to have to make changes. And again, like we talked about earlier, that's kind of the cool part because so often the writers get hung up on stuff from everything I've seen from, from the media he's done and stuff is, you know, he wanted this to be presented and knew that it was going to be changed. Right. Let's change it together. Yes. Embrace those changes. He's happy with, from what I can tell, he's happy with, how, how it's turned out and as he should be, as he should be. So I, th- I thought they knocked it out of the park. You know, they, there wasn't, you know, you didn't watch the series and then like, oh, man, they botched that one up. Um, no. no, not at all. Nope. I think, I think they did the book justice. hundred percent. And I think it's going to be an equally great experience. We, we knew the books and got to watch the show with that kind of critical eye. And it was a lot of fun. I think people who now go read the books, are really in for a treat also doing the same of thinking how it relates to the story and what changes were made. 
and you can enjoy them both within their own right. And it's more fun to look for the overlaps and the changes than it is to critique the heck out of it or say, oh, one stinks, the other one's great. They both work as a great complement to one another. Yeah. Again, and I hope people do look at it that way. They have to look at them as to, you know, the core subject matter is there in both things, but it's a different interpretation. It is not a exact retelling of of the book. Um, And it can't be. It doesn't doesn't work that way. So, you know, the the Gray Man's coming out here in another another week or two, I think. Yeah, just a week or so, I think, in theaters, yeah. And that's coming out as a movie. And I had heard something about that recently. And that one probably, it would have been interesting if they had gone the direction with that. I, I think this medium works so well. I mean, when you have to take a book... These were about hour episodes, so it was eight hours of material. Right. Um, you know, when Ray when Ray reads these things, they're what 10, 11, 12 hours reading. I right. don't know what the exact read time on them, um, but you know, an actual book, one book to to turn it into a ninety minute or you know one hundred and twenty minute movie. It's tough. You're getting rid of a lot of source material, so I think to use yeah. this medium that Amazon and Netflix have given producers and you know, the creative types, I think it's brilliant. Because you can really expand on a, a book or a series of books, yep. and you know, not not cut it short. And I think that's the problem: is it's easy to cut it short, just hit the high high notes, hit the big action scene, splice it together. And the fact that they were able to dive into some character development in this uh, shows how the medium works really well. I believe. I think the Terminalist is a case study in how to do that. And how the two can complement each other, two different media formats, one written, one visual. There doesn't need to be friction between them if it's grounded in a team of artists and a team of professionals and a team of storytellers that are going to be open to one another's vision and not close each other out. And if they could truly collaborate as a brotherhood, one might say the art that they're going to create is going to be magnificent. So this is a case study in how I hope more books and thrillers get adapted on the big screen. Hey, absolutely. And and I hope authors are open to that too, because I I know of one author in particular who's a bestseller who will not sell the rights to their book Mm. because they, I think are afraid or concerned of what Hollywood would do to their main character. They want complete control. Yeah. And I know for this particular person that I, I've conversed with about it is, you know, the, the money was not, that's the other thing. I think the layman out there thinks, okay, you get a book, the book might be successful, blah, blah, blah. Hollywood comes knocking. Well, then you're really going to make money. Peanuts are offered sometimes to these right. authors, you know, especially for the rights. Now, if it gets greenlit, then other money opportunities are there. But, it, you know, I think, I know he said it um, out in the open. David Morrell for for the Rambo, I want to say an interview I saw, um, I interviewed him one time several years ago too. I believe if I recall correctly, I think he was given like $60,000 for um, First Blood to be made. And contractually, they could make sequels and they only had to pay him, regardless of how much it made at the box office, which it made a ton of money, they were still obligated to just pay him that 60000 for subsequent. That one amount. Wow. So again, I don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty darn sure that was the specific detail. Uh, I might need to double check that one, but just say that's true. So you can have a, a movie that could make hundreds of millions of dollars, and the person that created the source material gets a fraction small of small fraction, uh, small fraction, 
versus now, another thing that I just read the other day, I was telling to my kids, I told to my son, my son and I went and saw, um, I've seen it before, but I finally, a couple weeks later, took him to see Top Gun Maverick. Nice. Uh, loved it. What a great so experience good. with my son. So good. Oh, so, so good. It was so much better than the first one even. And I love the first one, but it was such a great movie. So I read Tom Cruise was actually his base salary for it. Again, if the, if the article was accurate, was I think $12 million. Which isn't a bad amount of money, but he's normally like a twenty million dollar movie gonna guy. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he got though was he got ten percent of, <laughs> if the article's correct, he got ten percent of box office receipts. Oh, bingo! There you the go. So he's going to make anywhere. For, it said he's going to make anywhere from sixty to one hundred and thirty million dollars in yeah. receipts off it. Versus a lot of times, what 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 deals people will get was they'll get a base salary. And they'll get a percentage of everything after cost, after expenses. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not everyone realizes too that for movies, it makes a hundred million dollars to the theater. Yeah, the net instead of the gross. The movie right. theater is getting fifty million, and then you know if there's other financial backers, they're wanting their percentage, and that, exactly. you know, so you have a five percent of gross or whatever, whatever your, whatever your deal is. At the end of the day, they will you know throw a couple jars of pickles at you and say. Hey, we didn't make any money on this movie. That I think I saw that something with like Lord of the Rings. There was some deals with Lord of the Rings years ago that I mean billion dollar movies. Right. But New Line Cinema did not show a big, huge profit at the end of the day when everything was paid out. And it's just like holy. And cow. that was what they based percentages on. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, so again, so for my 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 greedy you know standpoint of please. Produce mine and please give me a ten percent on box office receipts. <laughs> give me the Tom bad. Cruise deal without the Tom Cruise success, apparently. But uh, no, <laughs> I would take a fraction of Tom Cruise success. Eric, thanks for joining us tonight. It's been a blast. Before we let you go, tell us where we can find your work and where we can find you online, to, and where people can pick up the Body Man. Yeah, Body Man. Um, uh, my website, ericpbishop.com. They can actually get signed copies from there if they want. They can order them. Uh, there's a, a store button there now that I've added recently. I'm on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's, it's only digital. Um, there's physical copies, but you have to order it online. But yeah, if you go into Google and you type in The Body Man, it'll pop up with my book. You can click on that. And you can also, um, there's indie sites as well that have it so they can buy it from their local bookstore if they so choose, which I would encourage them. Uh, breach of trust is coming again i'm supposed to uh told the publisher i'd get it to him in july so that's my uh i'll be jumping into that later tonight um i'm kind of reworking the beginning of the book a little bit based on some uh reader feedback uh which was very good feedback by the way but um you kind of you write something and you i don't know i i I hear stories from authors that they write something and they think it's the worst thing in the world i'm the opposite i guess i write something and i'm like this is brilliant this is great you mean I got to change it? Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, I, I, I've learned the process a little bit more in the last several years where I realize, and, and I've kind of embraced the uh, the editing. The revision process. Yeah, you get to make it better and better. You get to add in stuff that maybe you didn't think about when you were in deadline, writing as fast as you could, and you're like, oh, I can make this chapter better. Right. I'll be really curious. So there's a, um, there's, there's a scene at the end of the book, and actually it's a scene that I gave away the character in a contest and uh, Ama Adair, who is a fellow author, she ended up winning the contest. So she has the epic death and breach of trust. Oh, nice. 
And I keep needling her and telling her she will cry when she reads this, which she probably won't. Um, and I even messaged her the other day and told her that one of my best friends who I've never seen him even remotely think of crying, even at the funeral for one of our best friends, he wasn't crying. So he's pretty stoic guy. He was just like, damn you. It I actually him. heard up during that scene when you, when you killed such and such and such. And I'm like, oh, sweet, man. sweet. I was like, I, I hope it. she cries. That's all I care about. I want her to cry when she reads her scene. I love so it. I love it. Yeah, if I were going to be a character in a book, I would definitely want an epic death. So that is very fitting to a good Me friend too. there. Also, you're a great social media follow. Where can the people find you there? Uh, Twitter is my normal genre that I'm normally on. I spend a little mo- too much time on. So that's at uh, EPB author is my Twitter handle. Um, Instagram, same thing. Facebook, I think it's under Eric P. Bishop author. So those are my three. Uh, those are my three hangouts typically. Uh, probably in that order: Twitter, Instagram, and then kind of got to do Facebook, but it's probably my least favorite of the three. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us. Everyone else, stay tuned. We are going to do a little bit more terminalist content over the next few days and weeks, and then eventually, towards the end of July, we will absolutely be shifting to the Gray Man, and we'll be covering the Gray Man movie and some of the books the first few in the series by Mark Greeny. And not to mention, we still have some Jack Carr books to cover. So True Believer, book two in the James Reese series will definitely be coming out to you, hopefully in just the next uh, week or two. So, well, Eric, thanks for joining us. It was a blast talking Terminalist. Thanks, Mike. Great series. Great being out with you. As always, we need to thank our patrons. Our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us at thrillerpod.com or at Thriller Podcast. And as always, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. <laughs> <laughs>